Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. listening to a podcast from The Word. So, um... Fantastic. Yeah. It's the first time we've met. We we three. We three witches. This is the first time we've met since... we three Yes. Next Christmas. Since the Christmas party. It is, actually, yes. uh, Where you beat a hasty retreat, Matt Hall, uh, at a diplomatically early point. Yeah, oh, what happened? Did I I miss anything? I went shortly, about an hour afterwards, you know, and uh, leaving, of course, Mark Ellen... Still there. How was it? I thought that seemed to me it was very good, Christmas party. I'm a big fan of Christmas parties. I'm a big fan of parties in general. Invite me to a party, I'll come, and then never leave. I thought it was tremendous, actually. Good. I, I found myself on a 73 bus, I think with a paper hat at a jaunty angle. Good. Mumbling. At a rakish tilt. A rakish tilt. Now, we haven't Crumbs seen each other since then, and I wanted, to, I wanted to quiz Mark on one thing that's been puzzling me for the last few oh, days. Yeah. Which is, Mark sent me an email the other day, and attached to the email oh. was a picture <laughs> oh, of a load of oh, you didn't youngish people. Now, I thought I'd save that. I didn't react to the time. I thought, this is podcast material. Oh, right. Okay. It concerns a bunch of old blokes in t- uh, uh, talking about a picture. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> podcast material. Brilliant visual <laughs> comedy. This picture, readers, <laughs> listeners, um, was viewers. of a load of viewers, <laughs> was of a load of young people about to leap into the serpentine on Christmas Day. That's right. And this picture was not taken in the Edwardian era. This picture was taken... They weren't wearing boaters. They were not wearing... <laughs> they weren't being they were... wheeled in in a huge bathing machine. <laughs> <laughs> These were, I, 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 I guess... muffler. The offspring, at least some of them, of Mark Henry Ellen. They were. Is that true? That's true, yeah. W- were any of them We had you? decided, one of my sons, my sons are now uh, 23 and 25, and the 23-year-old had this brilliant idea 
that to vibe up Christmas morning, I thought it was a good one, because Christmas, I don't know if anyone listening has the same experience, I think family Christmas study can develop very quickly into a sort of torpor, where you're sitting on a, a carpet that is, you know, um, you know, feet deep in old mince pies and tangerine peel and wrapping paper, do you know what I mean? You, how many times do you need to watch Zoolander? Do you know what I mean? We've seen it three times, you don't need to see it again. And a log fire, and that, do you know what I mean? And I thought it would be really good, oh, he thought it would be a good Empty idea. Empty See, he thought, this is top. It was his idea, this is Tyler Robert. He is, said, let's so you, go to the Serpentine, where he and I had swum in October. Um, uh, I've, got a, I've got a question for point of information yeah. here. As the owner of 20-some you know, year yeah, yeah. you know, offspring myself, yeah. the notion of them getting up on Christmas morning, let alone expressing yeah. an opinion about going in the great well, outdoors, I, see, I, seems funny. Let alone it, going in the great outdoors, taking off all their clothes and yeah, jumping into a body of icy water. Because <laughs> it, it, they, people sprang out of bed uh, with a degree of enthusiasm and had their, their bathing towels <laughs> and, and uh, costumes ready rolled for the off. At which point, uh, my eldest son's girlfriend and brother came round, and my two nieces and nephews came round, who were in that picture, those skinny-looking creatures in bikinis, screaming in mid-air, and my 18- and 21-year-old nieces. So we then drove up in convoy to, to the Serpentine, right? I've got to be honest with you, it was immensely cold. It's cold. Does it look cold, that picture? And when you swim, did. at 9 o'clock in, in London and Serpentine, um, you know, there's a, a traditional sort of Christmas race, where a load of very keen people get together and really tough it out and do lengths. But we arrived a little after that, about noon, and assembled a pretty big crowd, actually. I wasn't really aware of it, I was just aware of... I wanted them to just get in and take some pictures, and then I had to get in afterwards, because I didn't swim, and I had to go in on my own, because I'm, I'm the photographer, right? <laughs> so you, that's my next question. Yeah, Did yeah, you I, go I, in yourself? Some, I thought quite comic pictures of myself, <laughs> hurling myself into the serpentine. Because the one thing you notice about that picture is everyone's got their mouth on because they are screaming. They're screaming before they hit the water, they're screaming when they're in the water, and they're screaming, they're screaming for a long time after they got out. But one of my favourite moments is they're standing there, my nieces, uh, they're in, their, in their bikinis with their wet hair, and there are footprints leading from them, they're dripping wet, to the water's edge, and this German couple come up in their, I don't know, late 60s tourist, you know, and they said, I, I said I, have you been swimming? And they said, no, 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 we haven't. He said, oh, good, because that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and they went off really cheered up, you know, nudging each other and shaking their heads and going, these things, that, they would have caught their death and gone, what else have they been doing? <laughs> Would you, would you normally drive into the centre of London? Do you so know you drew, pour a bucket of water over your toast. So you drew a crowd. Did you get anybody saying, uh, when's the whistle test coming back? No, that, that would have been great. <laughs> Hi, can we have a bit more Robert Palmer? I love those videos, yeah. What happened to the other guy who used to do with? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's no, that's what we did. And, and the great thing was that we got back to um, Casa Ellen for the champagne reception with uh, some pals across the road. And actually, everyone was incredibly hyped up and sort of feeling rather pleased with themselves. That's, we, very we, energized. That's, that's called the onset of pneumonia. Isn't yes, it, it is. <laughs> Trauma. Oh, my God. Can we run this picture on the website? My, my, my eldest son's girlfriend's brother, who's 18, Will, stood there, and he, he, he got out, just put on a pink T-shirt. So he warmed up and said, oh, yeah, fine. I think all he, all he needed really was just to light up a couple of Rothmans. He would, <laughs> Quick Gasper. Got to get himself back to normal temperature. He's just the hardest man I've ever met. He, he did not complain. Not a, not a squeak <laughs> out of Will. Everyone else is girlishly sort of, you know, oh, my Lord, you know. No, he loved it. I'm trying to work out where their testicles have got. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We had uh, we had friends around Christmas Day who've got a dog, and because uh, you always I've known these friends ever since they had the dog, and so you always think the dog is the same age, which is a mistake. Yes, seven years think, older. You always think the dog is a puppy, and so I said, 
I said, uh, after lunch, I said to one, one of my kids, I said, come on, let's take the dog out for a walk, you know, because of novelty we don't have. We had to drag this dog oh, yeah. to the park. Dog didn't want to go, no. particularly on Christmas Day. Nah. Dog thinking, has the Queen been on? <laughs> dog thinking, where's my sprout? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to watch Zoolander. Or, 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 or does the dog not get sprouts? He can't sprouts. watch himself. <laughs> The sprouts, one of the pleasures that the dog has had, like, refused to it. And they yeah, go to evidence that the dog has had the sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gastric lapse. So, <laughs> so you, you sat there the rest of the day with the glow, the virtuous Terrific glow. glow. We were rather like that. Is it an advert of a ready break? I remember as a yes, kid on the television. Yes. We had a sort of thermonuclear in, in, halo around <laughs> us. And also a tremendous amount of rather sort of pompous self-satisfaction, which I think probably annoyed the non-swimmers, i.e. my wife and my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law was fantastic. He said, I see you coming, Jess. He said, I, I, think that, I think I might help with the vegetables. He's thinking, how much do you not want to swim to stay behind and help with the vegetables? <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. What did you do, dear Matt? Uh, I had... Um I watched a, four-year-old, I watched a four-year-old child get very overexcited, <laughs> uh, eat her own body weight in chocolate, and then when I stopped her from eating her own body weight in chocolate, turned around and said, you've ruined Christmas for me, Daddy. <coughs> At least you didn't say you've ruined my life. That's me, you've ruined my life. Which <laughs> is what one of my kids said when they were about that age. I remember Christmas yeah. morning, uh, when the kids were younger, was the tensest day of the year. Because... The, the only lesson I learned about parenthood, I learned too late. And if I started again tomorrow, I wouldn't be any wiser. Oh, God, what is it? I'm fascinated. This, is, this is great learning. This is great learning, which you learn at, at its purest on Christmas morning about quarter to ten, which is you can't make your children happy. Can't be done. Well, even if you leave the price tag on. <laughs> it's the strongest parental impulse is to make their children happy. At its, at its you know... Apogee on Christmas morning, yes? Yeah. That's why things so often go wrong Christmas morning. People get overexcited. And it's not just the kids, it's the grown ups. It's the grown ups wanting it to be perfect. Open this one next. Don't do that now. Wait. You know what I mean? Everything's. We're, we've all got in our head some ideal Christmas day, which we're sort of trying to achieve. And the harder you try, the worse it gets. I think you've got to go for low expectation. Yeah. My, 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 my youngest son developed this joke when he was about six. He worked out um, that the present, you're, he, got, he thought the best way to give someone a present, your parents a present, is to work out what it is they most needed. The day before on Christmas Eve, when he was six, he would hide um, items around the house that we clearly liked and used a lot, like always my stapler and my scissors. <laughs> then he would wrap them up in... <laughs> this is absolutely true, by the way, because what I'm about to tell you is he still does it. And then he would give... And he, you know, your little face would light up. <laughs> so there they are! Because you know, it was classic, because all Christmas Eve, and where the hell are my stapler and scissors? And the next day, a stapler and scissors-shaped present, beautifully wrapped by a six-year-old. <laughs> Dad, I thought you might like this. Yes, I would like them! And you'd be genuinely happy to have them <laughs> and it didn't cost him anything. I thought it was brilliant. He still does it now. It's good. I don't know how long this will go on. <laughs> so low expectations are the key thing. Yeah. I think that's, that's true. Uh, low stress. I got my ukulele for Christmas. Oh, hurrah. You'll be delighted to hear. Jake, have you got a uke? I've got a uke. We're going to jam. <laughs> I don't think so. But We're going to have a uke off. <laughs> you can have a shred off if you, think, if you think of anything simple enough have that you involves really C and F. <laughs> C, F and G. 
That's yeah. fantastic. It's brilliant. Did you get it from the Duke of York? Uh I don't know. My, my, um, no, my wife bought it. Bought in Denmark Street. My daughter bought a little case. Oh, you know. so you know, you, I look like George Warby goes to work. The listeners would like to hear you play that. <laughs> I don't think they would, but anyway, possibly at some stage in the future. Excellent. Um, so I'm, del- I'm delighted with that. What did you get? Gosh, uh, Matt, forgotten. can you remember what yeah. you got? The present that gave me, gives me the most joy and just keeps on giving, I have to say, uh, is uh, Roger Melly's Profanosaurus. This <laughs> <laughs> is Dictionary of Extremely Rude Words. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... It's just, is it updated? Though? Yes, it is. It's, Every think, year they just put in yeah, more yeah. profanity. <laughs> yeah. My mother picked it up by mistake. Oh, it's the most kidding. disgusting book I've ever read. I'm actually thinking so of, sending, white that, of sending that into them as a kind That's of scrap light to put on yeah, the back. Matt's yeah. mum. <laughs> the most disgusting book I've ever read. And your favourite selection from the Profanosaurus is? Uh, the... the uh, is there anything you yeah. dare say? A gastric lapse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a comment to say after a gastric lapse. Give it more choke, I think it'll start next time. <laughs> We were recalling on Christmas Day my, my long-dead uncle, who, who used to get great approbation from his nephews because he used to, he used to crack breaking wind jokes all yeah. the time, you know, in an era when people didn't. And, and they used to accompany the noise with, with the comment, get out and walk. <laughs> Which, you know, you know, did, you, that, did your father have a great comment about uh, it? My grandfather it's a poor, to, it's a, it's a, it's a poor ass that never rejoices. <laughs> <laughs> As only a Yorkshireman could say. <laughs> that is fantastic. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. So, anyway, while we were all having our domestic Christmas, and, um, you know, Mark was leaping into the serpent time, um, Paul Weller was, uh, was in Prague, um, uh, you know, celebrating. Hard. How did he celebrate, Dave? Remind me. And when he, he, um, he did, was it with a girl half his age? <laughs> well, he ended up. Girl, he ended up, according to the pictures uh, in the paper, um, passed out on a pavement mm. uh, with girl less than half his age. But you know, who are we to uh, you know guess well, suspicions? Because look, we've all been there, haven't we? Well, thankfully, we've all been there. Uh, a, not in the time of uh, video cameras on phones. <laughs> And B, not when we were international, but all certainly well-known British celebrities. My, so were uh, the two of them passed out because of drink? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Oh, yeah, they were, because... Oh, an item, David. Let's just get all the facts oh, out. Oh, well, way. apparently, if we're to believe the, you know, the, the mirror, the sun, the mail, and, and, you know, the mass tabloids, uh, yes, I think it's been confirmed. He's that 50, are, that and she is, in fact, 25. 23, wow. I think. 23. 23. <laughs> I think. Well, More than yeah. half his age. But, uh, you know. but uh, somebody, one of my friends, when I... I <laughs> after you sent the photo, after sent the link round, I, uh, I, I sent the photo to my friend, to a mate of mine, going, "Oh my God!" And he just came back with three words: "Mod life crisis." <laughs> oh, that's good. That's oh. good. Can, I mean, I'm sure, are there any pop stars who don't behave like that? Very few. Who don't what? Are they behave, are, don't pop stars? Aren't they? Aren't they just programmed to behave like that? I speak as somebody who's been on the road with Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart just used to. Well, it's fairly obvious. Trade in every five years. The girl that he was going out with for a younger model. Of That's exactly a while ago, creature. isn't it? Yeah. yeah no, I think it's. And also, they, I think Billy pop, Joel. Don't, don't you yeah. think? Though I, I have a theory that pop stars. Yeah, but there's are, two aspects to this, isn't there? There's, there's well, the younger model. Well, imagine you. No, but imagine you're used to being. No, no, no. You imagine you're 25 and you're used to having adoring women uh, in a gaggle at the bottom of your microphone stand. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> then I think that... I'm trying to imagine. Sorry. Just hold on. Just hold on. Matt and I are both <laughs> trying to terrible. And uh, <laughs> then I think it may be quite difficult. I'm, I, I very recently was in Abbey Road Studios listening to Paul McCartney's new album, the Fireman album, right? And Paul McCartney came out and talked to myself and various other um, members of the press. And after about a minute, his telephone went off in his top pocket. He went, oh, oh, hi, babe. You're just talking to some journos. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, hi, babe. And I thought, it was absolutely classic, you know. It was just, he, it seemed very important to him that he made it clear to us that there was somebody he called Babe was on the telephone. And Paul McCartney slightly older than, than Paul Weller. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just It's important that you be reminded of the fact that he's seen more sex than a policeman's the policeman's torch. torch. <laughs> <laughs> that never stops being funny. In fact, it gets funnier than that. <laughs> in the bushes. You see that old bean, can't you? Oh, oh that's a lot of sex. <laughs> And I've seen enough. <laughs> oh, dear. No, but anyway, you know, but you're quite right, as you say, Matt, you can't do that uh, and keep it out of the papers nowadays. No. Certainly not if you go on a bumper weekend in Prague. Yeah. Because, you know, that's going to be full of British drunks with camera all with phones. mobile phones. Yeah. <laughs> all of the same Ryanair plane. <laughs> all looking to have their, uh, their flight and their holiday paid for yeah. by getting a few grand from, uh, you know, from Fleet Street. Yeah. So there's no escaping that at all. Uh, other post-Christmas news, Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> she's, she's launched a website called Goop, G-O-O-P. Was that, is that an acronym? I don't know, it's a good question. Could Girls be. overweight. Wasn't there, wasn't there a Dutch um, aftershave or perfume called Jupe? J-double. The uh, there, there is, there is. There still is. Name for a uh, what, what did she say on this website? What she said was um, that at this time of the year, she needs to, and I'm going to quote this, to lose a few pounds of holiday excess. <laughs> now, we've all seen I, I, I saw her recently, you know. You saw her yeah. in the flesh recently. I saw her in the flesh. Oh, I, oh, I can understand this, because I was at a, a concert by um, a top touring group, The Coldplay. Have I told <laughs> this before? Come on. Uh, quite recently, just before Christmas, and I, I, you know, I was sitting quite near the stage, and my view was blocked by this colossal woman, this, this, this like a, a real old biffer, <laughs> a big old, big old unit, you know, blocking out the sun, like, oh, cracking all the old jokes. Here. They're yeah. send, sending up a satellite next week. Up, <laughs> photograph the other side of it. <laughs> She was enormous, and I, I, I was going to actually uh, ask one of the security guys, could you please tell this massive unit to just, I can't see the ground, I paid my money, and she turned around, and it was in fact the elfin, ridiculously thin, and enormously attractive, turned, Gwyneth Paltrow. Turned around and disappeared, I would imagine. Yeah, she, I couldn't just, see her when she turned sideways. Dropped down and drained. invisible. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Had to pass a place twice to yeah. cast a shadow. Exactly. <laughs> In the notion yeah. that, that Gwyneth... She would actually complain about... Gwyneth so, can the say to the average person who right now is thinking, oh, God, I could do to lose two stones yeah. or whatever, you know, that, that, that she can say that, you know, that, oh, yeah, well, I've overdone it a little bit. Boy, I had two bottles of water on the Christmas day. It's a famously ascetic Gwyneth Paltrow. How's she going to, you know, will she get stuck into the brandy after Christmas dinner? You know, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. You know, you mentioned Gwyneth's doctor saying, Gwynny, I, I think you need to lose a bit, darling. <laughs> a bottle he's of rainwater. He doesn't want to have a, a death on, it, on his conscience, does he? You know, good grief. It's a ludicrous idea. That's ridiculous. Because wasn't it somebody that said, because oh, also Cheryl Cole, she, did we say Cheryl or Cheryl? Uh, Cheryl Cole, yeah, Cheryl Cole. It's with a C, but people saying, yeah, what are we talking no, about? Cole. It's an S. Cole. Oh, I'm thinking Cheryl Crow. Crow. sorry. Cole. 
easily so complicated. Okay, Sheryl Crow of Girls Aloud, um, begins being Vogue this week, and she says that that sometimes she looks herself in the mirror and thinks she's appallingly overweight, that she gets terribly depressed when she can't get into a pair of jeans and so forth. It's just, these people shouldn't be allowed to say these kind of things. Yeah. Did you hear... Have you ever met a woman, though, who didn't think they were overweight? Oh, absolutely. No matter what they weighed? No, OK. Uh, it's a philosophical point, Dave. OK, fair. Fair point. Fair point. But uh, did Whereas you hear... men don't seem to mind No, no, no. I've got an interest of full disclosure. I've got a cardigan for Christmas with a nice herringbone pattern on it. My brother said, oh, that's good, because that's quite flattering, isn't it, herringbone? <laughs> I put it on. I said, is it flattering? Dominic goes, it's a cardigan, Matt, not a fucking magician. Bloody hell, is it Gwyneth Paltrow? Set me up and batted me out of the park. That's superb. Did you hear... You talk um, straight to your family, don't you? Don't beat around the bush. A magazine, a website, a podcast, The Word. Yeah, Carl Lagerfeld interviewed on the Today programme on Christmas. He wasn't he good? He's brilliant. He was so good. Do you know what? I, they sent Evan Davis, Evan Dando, <laughs> we call him Evan Davis, yeah. to interview Carl Lagerfeld, and I thought this is going to be embarrassing. Yeah, they're going to try and get Carl Lagerfeld to to you know deal with the serious agenda, and he won't do it, and he won't be able to do it. He was really bright, wasn't he? Well, I've and read his point interviews. about weight was really good. I've read interviews with Carl Lagerfeld and thought, you humorless plum. But actually, hearing him talk he is absolute good. genius. And, uh, you know, Evan, Evan Dando gave him the, the old question about, don't you feel responsible for using, using, uh, <laughs> using size zero models? Don't you feel responsible for, you know, giving girls complexes about their weight and whatever he says? In France, did you hear this bit? He said they have uh, 2% of the population are underweight. 20% of the population are overweight. I think we should worry about the people who are overweight before we worry about the other. It's a really good answer. You know, got him completely <laughs> very off. Good. He was very can we, good. Can, on the subject of Evan Davis, I suppose if one had to say things one has learned recently. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, the thing what I learned segue. recently what a segue. involves... What a perfect, effortless segue. Okay, we'll have another song from the Johnson <laughs> twins in just a moment. Anyway, no, I was on Radio 4 over Christmas. Anyone else heard this? But Jarvis Cocker was the guest editor. Yeah. Did you hear yeah. any of this? He might have been the one that Lagerfeld was on anyway. It might well have been. And no, I, it was, I thought, that, my, oh, what I learned, I suppose, from this <clears throat> is if I could construct this into an equation, is that rock stars plus Today programme divided by liability <laughs> times live audience equals entertainment. <laughs> because Jarvis did that thing that pop stars do, which I, I simultaneously find very attractive and embarrassing, which is that they look at things in quite a kind of naive way, as if it's all a kind of conspiracy. I don't know if you remember what, I don't know if you were listening to this, but what Jarvis did was he questioned the convention of um, today presenters being briefed yeah. as to the shape of the conversation. To which Evan Davis and Humphreys and various other people talked, he said, look, Josh, with great respect, we have a, you know, four and a half million people listening. We have three minutes in order to bang out the information and get some debate going. It probably makes a little bit of sense to think about it first. But as an experiment, and as you heard this, it was absolutely brilliant, as an experiment, Jarvis pushed into the room um, somebody for Evan Davis to interview, and he didn't know who this person was or why he was meant to be interviewed. He had never clapped eyes on them in his life. 
and he had three minutes to interview them. It was actually extremely good, and he did a really good job of it. This, this, he comes and comes, hello. Did he work and, out who he was? Well, he said, Dan, and, and who are you, first of all? She sounded like a girl in her late 20s. She said, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a writer for New Scientist. Oh, has anything interesting happened to New Scientist recently? Have there been any interesting articles? And she goes, well, there was quite an interesting one, actually, written by me. So already we've got yeah, some, yeah, we're up and running. And, and at the end of it, very sweetly, he said... Um, um, have I asked you what I, what I should be asking you about? And did you get a chance to talk about it? Which you did, actually. It was about a, a prehistoric clock that they discovered. But anyway, at the end of this, this is kind of, we're getting into the kind of silly season now, and it's five to nine or whatever. So Jarvis himself comes on as a kind of thanks very much for editing the program. And Evan Davis asked this question, which I thought was so fantastic. He said, so Jarvis, thanks very much for editing the program. I hope you enjoyed it. We've all enjoyed it. It's been very, very educational. Now, you're a, you're a musician. What are, you, what are you going to do now? He said, what are you, what are you actually going to do? Are you going to go and, you can't jam in studios all day, he said, in a rather quaint way. He said, what are you actually going to do with your day? Which I thought was really And what did he say? Well, because you think about it, Jarvis Cocker puts out a record about, what, I don't know, once every two or three years, with 12 songs of them, so that's an average of, what, four songs a year. Yeah. Jarvis Cocker's not rushed off his feet, though. I've got to be honest with you. What Jarvis said was, I'm going to wander about. He was really thrown by this. I'm going to wander about. He said, I'm, I'm famously short-sighted and I kind of bump into things. So I'm probably going to bump into a few things and jot them down in my notebook and use them as ideas for songs. Yeah. So Evan says, oh, fair enough. You know, enjoy your busy, busy schedule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got to go and talk to the Prime Minister. Goodbye. You know. Do you know what? But it was absolutely electrifying. That was really good. But my favourite interview on the guest editor's bit was the bit where they had uh, Cardinal Cormac O'Connor from uh, the Irish Prelate. Who, he, was the, he was the guest editor. But he did this brilliant interview with Ed Sturton, where Ed Sturton asked him about how they actually select a pope. Oh, right. And, I've heard about it. And yeah. it was fantastic, because basically, I don't know how many um, cardinals are in the conclave, there's 400 or whatever, but this brilliant thing, that when they all go in, they've actually all got chance to be the pope. Yeah. Before the, before yeah. the first votes are cast, <clears throat> they've all got a chance to be the pope. And... Um, and Ed Sturton was kind of asking him, you know, what does that feel like? And he was obviously going, oh, well, obviously it would be, be a privilege, but it would obviously be a really kind of quite terrible, you know, uh, but if you're chosen, then obviously... And I was just thinking, how power mad was oh, you yeah. in that moment? You've got the chance oh, to be the God. leader yeah. of all of the Roman Catholics Absolutely. in the world. It must really matter what the seating plan says. <laughs> Dave, what have you learned? Come on. Well, I, I, I've relearned <laughs> something, actually, last night while reading... The second part of David Kiniston's uh, Austerity Britain, which I do recommend to anybody, and being reminded of the days in the early days, well, not that I remember, in the very early days of television in Britain, they used to have children's hour, and then TV would close down for two hours, in, and then restart at sort of 8 o'clock, yeah. when the kids had been put to bed. And these books are full of examples of how... Politicians and planners and experts and economists failed to predict what would happen with, you know, the economy, with the National Health Service, with foreign policy, with planning, with anything. But the only thing they were sort of right about was television, yeah? And this is a quote from Melville Dinwiddie, who was the controller of Scottish Broadcasting. Not his real name. <laughs> In 1952, and he said, sound broadcasting as such is upsetting enough when reading and school lessons and other home tasks have to be done. But here is a more intensely absorbing demand on our leisure hours, and families in mid-Scotland will have to make a decision both about getting a receiver, that's a TV, and about using it. At the start, 
Viewing will take up much time because of its novelty. But, discrimin- <laughs> but discrimination is essential, so that not every evening is spent in a darkened room, the chores of the house and other occupations neglected. We can get too much even of a good thing. See, I can't see anything wrong with that piece of advice. It's but, absolutely it's perfect. It's sound, but what he did... Am I totally reactionary? No, I told him to No, no, no but I think he's absolutely right. Yeah. Is, that yeah. two, is that two bigger quotes put on the masthead of the magazine? <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is the thing I find myself screaming at the Today programme absolutely all the time. You know, the people talk about, about, about you know, the, the society going to hell in a handbasket, you know, kids' obesity, reading standards, crime, whatever. I go... The bloody television, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a machine for making us more stupid. Yeah. And you know what I mean? We we wasting our time. Well, that's what it's there for. It's there to hoover up our time. And what Melville Dinwiddie didn't envisage, you know, what he he saw a world where if there was nothing on you turned that you'd wanted to watch, you turned it off. You turned it off. Well, it, it's gone Absolutely. now because there's always something on. You know, because it's 40 channels and, you know... But uh, uh, Melville also has the brilliant uh, <laughs> perception to say that there will be... You may Initially, you will find this enormously exciting, but this will be... This will wear thin. Which I love, you know, the idea that there's novelty. The novelty of television will wear off. Hasn't, has it? I mean, well, except it hasn't. Nobody's <laughs> excited about it anymore, but no. they're just addicted to it, aren't they? They just sit and watch it. The natural state of, you know... Television is now occupies the time that used to be spent doing nothing. You now do nothing with a little flickering box. I'm not sure it's television. I think it's probably just people just sitting on computers instead of watching television. I don't know. It's a, well, there's a bit of that, but it's the same thing, yeah. isn't it? It's looking yeah. at a screen. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the great you know, user of time. That's so, a good word from your man. That's a great quote. Uh, it's a fantastic book. And anyway, while you're watching the television, you may catch uh, a, an, adver- an advertisement for Swift Cover Insurance. And you may think oh, to yourself... That. You may think to yourself... Do you know what they've got? They, they've done well through a casting agency there, haven't they? They've, they've Central got casting. E- they've got an E.E. Pop lookalike. <laughs> but they haven't, have they, Matt? Yeah. No, they a haven't. A bag of marbles wrapped in tin film. E.E. Pop is advertising car insurance. Now, I'm saying, you know, hats off to the genius at the agency who had the idea. Don't you think? No, hats off to the genius at Iggy Pop's bookers who managed to persuade them it was a good idea. It's a really good idea. It's, really good idea. Idea. it's a really good idea because, and I, look, this is, probably applies to me, and I'm no Iggy Pop fan, but it applies to loads of blokes our age who probably have to, you know, buy house insurance, car insurance, whatever, and find it the dullest subject on God's earth and glaze over on any advert that appears talking about, you know, rates and premiums or and whatever. Then Suddenly, there's Sirigbert. <laughs> and they go, oh! And they'll, they'll pay attention for the first time. You're looking years. like an extremely muscular, rather flat-chested grandmother. But, but <laughs> is Lord Iggington of Pop actually wide, wide, more widely <laughs> enough known? <laughs> Is, is he, he well, yeah. enough, but well, Even if he is, you're just going to think, God. I think he is well. You see, because I think he's one of those... Somebody is going to do a study of this recently. Mark and I used to discuss this years ago. I remember this. Editing magazines 20 years ago, you used to always go, when you're talking about people, particularly people to put on the cover of magazines, you used to say, are they well-known enough? And I sort of think... I think everybody's well known nowadays, you know what I mean? But, but, the, but the interesting thing about that ad is that you can only get that, uh, very few people are eligible for ads like that. Because it's like Johnny Rotten and that butter ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason he got that, he didn't have to do anything apart from be Johnny Rotten. Mm. 
He doesn't sit there and say he likes butter, I don't think. He has to be Johnny Rotten. So you have to re- represent something I- I- incredibly condensed yeah, and, yeah. and self-evident in order for it to work. I mean, Bob Dylan, with a sort of exception, she did an ad, if I remember right, which I think was the Rubicon. This is what broke down the barrier for me. He did an ad, I think, for Victoria... Secrets, uh, maybe. Victoria maybe. Secret. Word, lingerie. He also yeah. did a car advert, didn't he? Did a anyway, car ad, yeah. And so if Bob Dylan, I mean, that, you kind of think, well, it's free for all. But I mean, at least Bob Dylan represents something, doesn't he? And so you can't just wheel no, that's in true. Um, the lead singer of uh, <laughs> Razorhead in order to sell car insurance. I can't think it. who he is now. Is and it, it only Burrell? works, Burrell, it yeah. only works, strangely enough, 30 years so later. So called him Razorhead. I did this. Did, yeah. <laughs> I, I quite like that. Razor. Um, but the other thing, the about, the the other thing about Ig, right, is what is the man known for? I tell you, ab- above and beyond his music, getting supremely wasted for about you know five He's known decades. For being alive and doing exciting things. Yeah, is he being extra? You know, unbelievably alive, and the notion that he has to think about his car insurance <laughs> is quite a persuasive one. <laughs> it's hilarious. It That's is hilarious. I mean, you, a diehard Stooges supporters, you know, who are having a bad week, obviously, at the moment, uh, probably are upset that the great man's let them down. But, I mean, all it is is oh. the equation is car insurance plus a little bit of excitement yeah. equals slightly more exciting car insurance, doesn't it? But that's that's thing- all they've done. they just added him to just get your attention. The thing, the thing that's changed, though, so would you in go the another, equation... Another, another equation. Would you go for Ig or Michael Winner, then, in, your, in terms of your people that you want to, uh, to pump car insurance to? Oh, Ig is perfect because, also he's so fantastic visualist. You cannot believe yeah, the yeah. spectre of a man who must be... God, he must be 60 now. Probably oh, he is. Over 60. Who still has a kind of 28-inch waist. And Fit as a butcher's dog. Fit as a butcher's dog. Whatever Cheryl, it is the butcher's dog's required to do. Cheryl Cole looks at him and well. feels really depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be as thin as Sir Igford. Yeah, there's no, nothing on his website saying lose a few pounds. But listen, this is yet another wonderful example of how the superannuated rock star has a completely revived commercial value. Yeah. Because they are not doing this with the hot new thing. Because the hot new thing is not well known enough. It doesn't stand for anything. Whereas Johnny Rotten, Iggy Pop, I don't know, Robert Plant, whoever it was, they earned their spurs 30 years earlier. Yeah. And, now, and it got to the point where everybody recognises their brand And have remained brand true values. to whatever it is they represented then. They haven't changed their tag. I mean, so Brian can, Ferry could do an ad tomorrow, but he represents, for better or worse, style, doesn't he? Yeah. If you want style. In fact, he did do one. God's sake, Mark Spencer, what I'm talking about. Yes, he did. There we are. So they just, they wanted them style, stir in Brian Ferry. And again, take that, found themselves doing, uh, doing Mark Spencer's ads, didn't they? But not at the time that they were young and hot. Yeah. It's when they're middle-aged yeah. and yeah. reassuring. And that's yeah. when they get that. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. The Grateful Dead, but we can't call them Grateful Dead, are going... What are they calling themselves? The Dead. Oh, The Dead, are they right? I know, which I can only assume is slightly like... You remember Madness came back briefly as The Madness? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Mike Barson wasn't in the group? Yeah. And I'm guessing, with my cynic's hat on... Not not very special. That they call... (laughs) Aware every day, uh, they uh, they're called the dead, so that nobody is you know widow or whatever can come along and claim I'd like fifteen percent. Surely, of the old, surely you mean old lady? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mountain girls. Uh, yeah, right. So anyway, they're they're, they're going back on tour, uh, and I make it forty four years. Forty four years after they formed as the Warlocks. Do you think there's a crucial ratio involved here? That there are 
there were eight members of the Grateful Dead, I think. Actually, no, there was nine, because it was Donna Godshaw, wasn't it? Four oh, of which are dead. On. Four of which are dead, but four have died, and four are alive. And what are the... What so are the, so what are if, the th- if another one was to die, making it five dead and three alive, could they still oh, legitimately carry on? Because if I remember rightly, um, we have Bob Weir, um, Bill Kreutzmann, Mickey Hart, and the great Phil Lesh are still alive. Yeah, I think Captain Tripps... A.K.A. Jerry Garcia, Pigpen, Keith Godshow, and Brent Midland have all turned their toes up and been carried out for And I think Donna Godshow died as well. Godshow, I think she might be dead, yeah. So, yeah, so that's all right. What, well, what is the most dangerous fight. birth in popular music, Matt? What is the most dangerous job to be offered in popular music? If you're ever offered it, don't take it. It's the keyboard Keyboard stool. The Grateful Dead. Because the mortality rate is, is running about 80%. You need advice from Iggy Pop himself about life insurance at that point. <laughs> Call Iggy. Call Go straight to the top, man. Iggy, I'm worried. I've had the call. I may not be here on Tuesday. I'm joining the dead. So they're on tour uh, in spring in the United States. So I, are you going to go, Mark? I'm going to go because they'll probably be finishing the song that they were in the middle of. <laughs> about 15 years ago. Of course I'm going to go. Because they contain Phil Lesh, the, my, literally my favourite musician of all time. I can't explain why, I just adore him. So, and Phil I think Lesh. I sent you this link to um, my favourite critic, Anthony Lane, writing in the New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Written about the new Tom Cruise film, Valkyrie, uh, which is basically, as far as we'll work out, Tom Cruise and then a load of proper British actors. You know, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Tom Hopkinson, uh, Bill Nye, Eddie Izzard, whatever. And he makes this statement, Anthony Lane, in the course of this review. Now, to be fair, Anthony Lane is British, okay, so he's allowed to say this. He says, the British are great at four things. One, character acting. Two, soldiering. Three, tailoring. And four, getting drunk in public. And I thought to myself, oh, surely that's not fair. My, you know, I kind of rose, and, you know, rose to my feet intending to defend us. And then I thought, no, you're probably right, actually. Well, I was thinking, actually, the, the interesting thing is that actually Paul Weller has proved himself really good at both of those within the last week. What? The Get- public drunkenness, and you've got, to, you've got to say, he's always quite naturally turned very out. Well turned very out. well turned Very well turned out. very good. That's what really important. You think he's character acting? He's playing the part of Paul Weller, well, no, a rock star. I was thinking that, actually, you know, he's a... He's, he's, uh, he always plays the same he's character. wearing his age on his face quite a bit now, so actually he'd be quite good as old hey, man. Hey, Mr. Cross off the uh, kind of character acting thing, which means he, he only needs to join um, some reserves, as he posited in Eaton Rifles, and he'd, uh, he'd have all four uh, okay. of them right This there. is a brilliant theory. Mate, you've thought that through, haven't you? I have, yeah. I posted this on my blog, and then, and then people threw in various suggestions as to what should be added to this. They said, well, what about pop music? And I said, I don't think we are anymore. I don't think we're exceptional at it anymore. I think the strike rate of Britain in pop music since the late 80s is about the same as Sweden's, isn't it? Well, isn't it? I think we're good at novelty singles. We're still good at novelty singles. It always were. Quirky, one-off, one-hit wonders. I don't know, do we still have those? I think we probably, I don't know. I'm a bit out of touch with the singles chart. I think pop's done that whole kind of lingua franca thing where now you can get pop from Switzerland, pop from Germany, pop from Mexico. But we used to export our biggest hits, used to be all big hits elsewhere, and then they stopped. They are. Because it's it's all kind of developed for a very kind of quite a narrow market in the UK. Yeah. And and, and going back to Paul Weller is a classic case. Play Paul Weller record to somebody in Moose Droppings, Ohio. You know, it might have come from the moon. Have you been there recently? I have. 
I've got a relationship. Twinned with Angel Islington. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not convinced about pop music. Somebody else suggested we're very good with potatoes. We're good with potatoes. I, I think oh, root vegetables. Although maybe not as root vegetables. <laughs> although maybe not as good as the Belgians. Uh, oh yeah, they, well, they, the they, love, they love a spike. And they're lo- yeah. sort of like they love a spike. Anyway, a bit of mayonnaise on the top, <laughs> a bit of curry sauce. A bit of Britain that floated off. <laughs> I think root veg- vegetables. I think period drama we're good at. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I think I think panto is almost unique. This kind of thing, I see. I think football hooliganism. Like, we're still no, we're rubbish at football. Yeah. No, we football hooliganism. No, no, no. We're not even good at football. Sure, we're rubbish at hooliganism. Are you actually? To be honest, the Milan's is it the Milan supporters? Yeah, East Europe. Yeah. Sorry, no, we've lost. We were great in the 70s. And what we're not good at football. We're, a bit, we're good at being a market for football. That's yeah. what we're good at with all these things, being a really good consumer of those. Yeah, writing history books. Good. Fair enough. Very okay. good. I'll give you that. I think we're good at irony. I can remember interviewing uh, Lucinda Williams for, for The Word oh, magazine. Oh, that's dangerous territory. What? What? Go on. Irony. No, I just thought it was very funny. And Lucinda is, is the most... I couldn't imagine a more kind of left-wing, kind of, you know, blue state democratic, you know, uh, right-on type. And we were in a cab and it said no smoking. And I went on about how, you know, there are places in San Francisco where we are now. So you're not even allowed to smoke outdoors. I said, it's almost as if they're trying to stop you smoking. It's almost as if they're trying to... They're, 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 to imply that it's bad for you. I leave this kind of, you know, little gap, expecting her to leap in with some terrific banter. She goes, well, well, they are. I mean, it's <laughs> like, it is, it is shit, man. It is bad for you. Sweetheart, don't smoke those things. I go, oh, no, I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> this is Lucinda Williams. Do you know what I mean? But you've got to be careful with, before you say that Americans have no sense of honor. All right, go on. Well, they do. Well, they do. No, of course they do. No, what am I talking about? The, the, I'm saying we are... I, I think the British sense of the ironic filter is more widespread than it is in America. In America, you get the impression that they'll all be terribly ironic because you watch, you know, The Daily Show or, um, you know, Letterman or... You know what I mean? That's fine. That's a totally different thing. i tell you what. Elvis Costello's new TV show in, in America absolutely rammed with irony, you know, because he's an English guy on, on a left-wing station, you know. A.S. Byatt wrote an introduction to a book of English short stories where she said that the defining characteristic of English writing is the adopting of a, of a tone of voice that's not your own. And it's, it's the same in English conversation, and it's the same in this podcast. We're constantly quoting. That's what English speech is all about, you know what I mean? Adopting voices. You know, uh, relaying things in the way that they were relayed to me, putting italics within your no, uh, that's true. Your spoken conversation, you know, uh, which may well be what Lucinda Williams was failing to respond to. It was, it was, it was your tone. And maybe it's maybe you're on a frequency. Maybe what I was doing was to try and get, uh, I suppose, uh, <laughs> potentially a bigger laugh, was to play it really, really flat, <laughs> as if I was like, I really can't believe this. Do you know what I mean? She thought maybe he is serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, one of my favourite covers, at, uh, of, which defeats my argument of, of, of a magazine of all time, was one of a spy magazine with Chevy Chase yes. on the cover, <laughs> and the headline, the cover line was, "Isn't it ironic?" And it was Chevy Chase with his fingers up, as I'm doing now, implying quote box, and under one pair of little fingers, it's said quote and the other one said unquote do you remember so he'd got the words his fingers round the word ironic actually quote unquote it was simply so we, brilliant we began this podcast by, by talking about a photograph 
<laughs> Mark's family jump into the serpentine. <laughs> and we close it with Mark talking about uh, a magazine cover. Which you he, can't he once see. Saw oh, no, that sorry. you can't see. You know, so we're, we're doing our bit to stimulate your imagination on this podcast, and aren't to we? Try to fully utilise the medium. We're painting pictures with words. We're painting pictures with words. Do you know that music from next door is getting louder? I think it's approaching. Do you think that's the Chemical Brothers on a flatbed truck coming towards us? Do you think so? Do you think they've been brought up the service lift and now approaching down the corridor? Before we leave, doomed. Before we leave, Mark Allen is going to plug the new issue of Word, which is out oh, right. this week. It's and out if, on, you're, uh, if you're bright enough to subscribe, you'll have had it days ago. It's out on Thursday. Yeah. And uh, um, extracts from it are being uh, read by myself and Kate Mossman on the website. But I imagine it's probably up by now. I don't know. Yes, it is. Is it up there? Good. And, uh, There's and already people pointing out who's that, who's that bloke with game. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Who's very used to Who's that, that Munto? <laughs> yes. yes. Can't get rid of him. A lot of people think it's just Kate Mossman on her own, actually. But uh, we phrase... read out extras. I'm trying to think what I could phrase do a, a lovely, lovely. phrase do a single camera shot. Yes, I can. <laughs> I don't realise I meant it out. I'll lose you in the edit. Well, Mark Helen can voice coming off camera. But there's some, I have to say, very quickly, there's some terrific stuff in it. And, and this time, look, here we go. Look, no, he's showing you. I, I'm going to show you now, uh, listeners, a, a photo. You have to buy the magazine to see it. But I want to please It's a picture of Linda Thompson, Richard Thompson, who famously, as you know, don't get on and split up amid a, a hail of uh, saucepans and domestic equipment uh, a long time ago. And it's them with their children and grandson as they are reunited by Words Photographer. It's fantastic. And, and also, amazing interview with Kate, uh, what's her name? Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. It was a big deal for us. And I have to say, because you won't say it because you're too modest, but the uh, interview with Ginger Baker. Oh, that's very is, sweet. Oh, everybody loves that. It's hilarious. Yeah. I have it's, to say, it's, it's really it's, funny. It's very odd. I, I've had more uh, emails about that. The magazine isn't out yet, so there's any people who are subscribers, actually. More than I've had about anything else I've ever written in my life, apart from an article I once wrote about John Peel. So it must have hit the call with people. I'm very grateful. And none of them think that I'm bullying or unkind. <laughs> and this is a case of rescuing, you know, triumph from disaster, isn't it? Well, I interviewed Ginger Baker about, I don't know, it must have been about two months ago or something, and I thought it was so catastrophic, we got on so badly, that I never bothered to just put the tape in a drawer or forgot about it. And when I started to tell various people in the office what happened, they became more and more fascinated yeah. and said, no, this sounds really interesting. It's very though. often so it's is the way, isn't disaster. it? <laughs> it's just, we both kind of walked out of the interview simultaneously on each other. We were so cross and exasperated with each other. I was just bullying him and he was bullying me. And I said, it was just a complete fucking catastrophe. <laughs> and so then I transcribed it because it's really... But touching. it only works because you it's transcribed really the Gimlet okay. view, the Gimlet no, no, it's stairs. transcribed. It is run in complete chronological order <laughs> in exactly the sequence it appears. It, it virtually unchanged. It's just shortened, actually. So there you are. It's all in the... All in the new edition of The Word. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Well, stops lost. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.